I thought I was going to get out of having to speak when Ryan started about to share. And I was like, oh, sweet. I can just get up here and pray and we can go home. But he held off. So uh, you're going to have to suffer through hearing me talk for a minute. I promise to be short as I try and listen to a, a, a mentor of mine, Ray Schmatz, who always said to use the five B's of preaching. And that is be brief, baby, be brief. So uh, I will try and do that this morning. Um, but we're going to be in Ruth chapter 2. And will you join me in prayer before we uh, um, read the word together? Father, thank you for today. And like I said in the, in the early service, I'm, I'm so thankful that in, in your divine wisdom that you set aside time during the week where we as believers, can come together and we can worship you in song. We can worship you in fellowship. And we can worship you in the reading of your word and we can worship you in the studying of your word and applying your word. And that is not lost on me this morning and I thank you for that and and we ask that you would that you would make your word come alive to us. And that it would we would not just hear it, but it would impact us in a way that we would go and leave here and do what your word commands us. And we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Now before we uh Before we start in, in, in the reading of Ruth chapter 2, I just want to review real quick. And I use a little review to make my sermons longer because if I didn't, it'd be like five minutes and you'd be like, man, that guy's quick. But Ruth chapter 1, <clears throat> we're introduced to a man named Elimelech. And I, I'm going to need a little help. This is a really big, small group. And I'm going to need some conversation so Elimelech, we go, he's, they go through, and, and Gibson's gone through what the, the meaning of people's names are. And Elimelech, who remembers what Elimelech's name means? What was that? God is king. God is king, very good. And he had a wife named Naomi. And what was Naomi's name? Pleasant or beauty. Man, Elimelech, the lucky man. It's got a pleasant, beautiful wife. All right. And they had two children. One of his name was Malon, and what was his what was his meaning? Weak or sickness. Whew. And Kilion, what was his name? The meaning of his name? Destruction. Those are two great names. In case you were wondering, my name, Charles, means strong and manly. I'm just saying. It's just saying, I'm just saying. I just, just want to throw that out there. <clears throat> Not saying it fits, but that's the meaning. So, and then, so they, they leave because there's a famine in the land. They leave and they go. They make a journey. And where do they go? They go to Moab. And Moab is the neighborhood that you never go to. 
you never go to. I mean, if you live in Pergasy, you don't want to go to Quakertown. I'm kidding. It was a, it was a joke. I was, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. Kidding. Not really. So they go to Moab because there's food there. And then what happens in Moab? Elimelech died. And then his, their sons marry Moabite women. Mm. That's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That's like my daughter marrying a Cowboys fan. Not right. It's not right at all. Not right. It's not going to happen. You hear me? <laughs> not happening. And then there's Ruth. And Ruth makes a bold, huge old people. And your God, most importantly, your God will be my God. That's bold, right? She declares her faith, who she believes in, and who she is going to follow. And I have to, I have to tell you, when Gibson asked me to speak tonight, today, and we're, we're obviously we're walking through the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth is my favorite book in the Bible. <clears throat> About... 13, 14 years ago, I come home from work, and Kirsten says, man, I, I just heard this preacher, and I think you would really like him. He, he kind of talks like you, Charles. He jokes like you. And so I was like, that sounds cool. And so I give him a listen. And over the next four or five years. I'm really glad that I live in the time that we live in. Because I think I've shared before that I don't, I don't like to read. As a child, I had a very hard time reading. And so that kind of stuck with me. I don't like to read. It takes me forever to read. And my comprehension level is really slow. But I can listen and remember things better than most people. And so I have this cool device in my pocket all the time where I can download amazing preachers, right? I can download, download people that aren't here anymore. Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I've aged myself if you know who that guy is. Okay, he's, he's, he hasn't been with us since 1984 or something like that. So there's Dr. J. Vernon McGee that I've listened to a lot. There's Chuck Swindoll that I listen to a lot. Alistair Begg and Matt Chandler and, and Mark Driscoll and all these, people, all these kind of people. And I used to remodel bathrooms and I would, I would be in a bathroom by myself for seven, eight hours at a, a day. And I would take my phone and I would put it on, on the sink and I'd hit, I'd hit play and I'd listen to four, five, six sermons a day. And so this one guy, Mark Driscoll, who unfortunately has had a fall from grace, but at the time, he spoke truth into my life. And it was the fall of 2007. 
that I heard the book of Ruth. And it was fascinating to me. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I just thought it was another good book of the Bible that, that, wow, that was cool. Until the summer of 2008, when I lost my job. And sadly, like most people in the United States at that time, I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I have little kids at home, and I have a wife that's, that stays home. And so finances are all on me. And there are no finances. And I was reminded of the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Let's read it together. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And just so we know, Boaz means strength within him. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall see, I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came to Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men, who was in charge of the reapers, who is this young woman? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So there's a lot packed into those seven verses. And, and in chapter 2, you're going to see three, three themes, and we're going to talk about the first one. You're going, to, you're going to hear the theme of faith and favor and hope. And Gibson will get to the favor and hope next week and in the following weeks. But today we're going to talk about faith and what that means and what that looks like. But first we're going to talk about gleaning. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. I don't claim to be. We have a little, little garden that it doesn't do so good. So I'm not a farmer. And you might not know what the term gleaning means. Well, it's, it's mentioned in Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. But here's how God, in his infinite wisdom, set up farming and how, we're, how you're supposed to, as a farmer, how are you supposed to harvest your crops? Deuteronomy chapter 24, I'm going to read verses 19 through 22. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work and your hands, 
When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it, strip it afterwards. It shall be for who? The sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you, do this. He mentions three people three times in, that, in those verses. And who were they? The sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And who is a sojourner? Who is a sojourner? We have lots of sojourners right now in this country. And I'm not being political. But a sojourner is someone who comes to this country out of desperation. And they have no means to take care of themselves. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, is telling men like Boaz, I need you to leave the outer edges of your fields and don't harvest them. And if your workers are harvesting, the, the crop they were harvesting this, this time, it says they were harvesting barley. And so what their workers would do is they would, they'd go around and they'd grab the barley and you'd cut it and you'd go and you'd stack it, stack it, stack it. But if you happen to drop it, leave it. And leave it for who? The sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. Why? So that we could take care of them. So that they could get something to eat. And when you do the math and they leave the outer edge of their crops and the stuff that they dropped on the ground... It's 10%. It's 10%. It's a tithe. So every farmer, according to the law, would tithe 10% of his crops to the sojourner, to the fatherless, and to the widow. But right now we're in the book, we're in the time of the judges. So if you're using an old-fashioned paper Bible, you can turn back one or two pages and read with me Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And when you read through the book of Judges, you will hear this phrase over and over again. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So do you think that all the farmers were leaving the outer edges of their fields? Probably not. Because they did what was right in their own eyes. But what does the book of Ruth tell us about Boaz? It says that he was a righteous man. And so what did he do? Followed the law. And he left the outer edges. And he instructed his workers, if you drop it, leave it. And my favorite phrase, <clears throat> my favorite phrase in the book of Ruth, she just so happened. She just so happened to glean in the field of Boaz. 
And most people would take that phrase as, she got lucky, she's a good person, so she's got good karma. Right? It's just happenstance or circumstance. Wrong. She just so happened to glean in the field of Boaz because of God's providential hand over her. And you see, there's two hands of God. You have the miraculous hand, which is real easy to see. When something is miraculous and it happens and someone's in the hospital and they are stage four cancer and they are told they are dying and the next time they come back to the hospital, there is no cancer, that is miraculous and you cannot deny it. But there's the providential hand of God that people, all the, myself included, go, and I was lucky. Good job. Wrong. It is the providential hand of God. And I told you a story when I heard the book of Ruth the very first time in the fall. And then fast forward to that summer, I lose my job. And there's no money. And every Friday, to this day, every Friday, Kirsten goes grocery shopping. And there were multiple Fridays during that summer where there was no money in the account to go, to go grocery shopping. And I will never forget showing up at the Soderton Park where that amphitheater is because that's where our church was meeting. And at the end of the service, talking to Gibson, and he goes, oh yeah, by the way, somebody dropped this off at the church and wanted me to give this to you. $100 gift card to Giant. God is the providential hand of God. Not because I'm a nice person. Not because I'm lucky. But because of the providential hand of God. And Ruth just so happened to glean in the field of a righteous man who was a redeemer. Who could redeem her. A widow. But there's something else. And we talked, I said... There's three themes. There's faith, favor, and hope. And faith. And what is faith? It's an action word. It's an action word. You can't say you have faith without action behind it. And you've all heard the analogy of there's a chair, as I'm pointing to an imaginary one, that, oh, I have faith that this chair can hold me. It looks rickety, but I, I, I believe I have faith that it can hold me. There is no faith in me saying it. The faith comes from me sitting on it. Some of you might find this hard to believe, but Kirsten has gone skydiving. In college, she went skydiving. And she can have faith that the parachute was going to safely bring her to the ground sitting in the airplane. But the faith in that parachute doesn't happen until you jump. Right? And so clearly, that parachute opened. But it takes faith. And so Ruth makes this huge proclamation in, in Ruth chapter 1 that your God will be my God. And where you go, I will go. But her faith, you see it in chapter 2, where she says, let me go glean. 
Naomi, let me go glean. Let me, let me go to work. Let me do this. And so she put her faith into action. And so my, as I was reading this this week, what is my faith in? What is your faith in? And do we just talk about it? And do we do it? Because in Deuteronomy, it mentions three times in three verses, four verses, who we're supposed to take care of. Because you see, back in the Old Testament, there was no welfare checks. There were no orphanages. Who's supposed to take care of them? Church. And I promise you that if the church, if we did as we are commanded to do, there would be no orphans. And I, believe me, I'm not standing up here high and mighty. But in, our, in my family's adoption process, my eyes were opened to how many orphans there are. And originally, we started our adoption process from Ethiopia. And Ethiopia's orphanage, orphan problem is astronomical. And I'm not sitting up here telling you you should all adopt from wherever. I'm not saying that. However, if just the church in the United States follow the commandments of the Bible, there would be no orphans. And it would be a miraculous thing. And there would be no welfare if we did as we're commanded. And believe me, I'm, I'm looking in a mirror when I say this. Because I think of commandments and how I'm supposed to love my neighbor, and yet I don't know my neighbor's name. That's the truth. I don't know her name. So I've fallen a little short on putting my faith into action. But am I going to be like Ruth and do so? And you may be convicted in different things. Like I, I, when I mentioned adoption and orphans, and that, that, may, not be, that may not be you. You may not be there. And that, that's perfectly acceptable. But there's lots of things that we can take our faith as believers and step out into uncomfortable situations and display it. Because faith... The word faith may not be a verb. Did I get that right, kids? Not a verb. But it is an action word. And I really wish we had... Gibson told me to, to do more of chapter 2. Because you get into Boaz and, and Ruth's interaction. And you get to see... You get to see a little bit better how the book of Ruth and Boaz and Ruth 
they foreshadow Jesus. And it's one of the... I'm 44, and it took almost 30 years of my life to realize that the Old Testament points to Jesus, and Jesus is all throughout. Not just the New Testament, but all throughout the Old Testament. And you can see it clearly in Boaz. As Boaz is called the Redeemer, and he redeems Ruth, sorry, spoiler alert, he redeems her in the next couple chapters. And Jesus is my Redeemer. And He has rescued me. And if you call yourself a believer, He has rescued you. And now I encourage you, if you've been rescued and redeemed, to take your faith and put it into action. Let's pray. Father, thank You for today. And I thank You for the book of Ruth. And I thank you that there are words in there like, it just so happened. And I pray that that's a reminder to all of us that when, when, when something happens in our life and someone says, oh, aren't you lucky? What a coincidence that we can, that in that phrasing that you can gently remind us of your providential hand and how you love us and how you've come, you sent your son to redeem us and we have been redeemed and that we can share that news and we can take our faith and we can step out in the power of your Holy Spirit and share that news with others. Thank you. Thank you, thank you.